Hi, this is Joel Morgan, the voice of Valley City State University in Valley City, North Dakota. I think it's safe to say that every broadcaster's goal is to be the best they can be at their craft. But just like anything else, if you don't have a game plan, it's hard to execute. Looking to set my goals for the upcoming season, I submitted my audio to the critique crew at SayTheDamnScore.com. Within a week, I got back a written critique, which included areas of improvement, my strengths, and a fresh set of ideas to help improve my broadcast. With the help of the critique crew at SayTheDamnScore.com, I now have a game plan for improvement. So I suggest if you're looking to get better, step up your game and get a fresh set of ears on your play-by-play, visit SayTheDamnScore.com today. Pearson Harnish, but a huge third down You got the game on? Yep. On the move, down to the 24-yard line of St. Francis. Who's winning? He, he won't say the score. Laid up and waited for the pass. Short drop Come out on, of the gun. who's winning? Rifles towards the right corner, complete to Vander Cooey, who steps across the plane. Ah, say the damn score. You're listening to the original Say the Damn Score podcast, part of the Say the Damn Score podcast network. Here's your host, Logan Anderson. And welcome back to the Say the Damn Score podcast. I'm your host, Logan Anderson. This is, of course, a podcast about sportscasting where we talk to people all over the country in the sportscasting business. And after doing this for two and a half years, I figure I finally owe it to you to find a good host for this show. And right now, we're going to flip this around, and John Thayer is going to host the show. He is the voice of the University of South Dakota women's basketball team. And, John, I'm just going to shut up and let you go from here. <laughs> hey, that sounds good. That's everybody's been waiting on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I thought a uh, great idea. Uh, Logan, you spent so much time telling the stories of so many people from uh, near entry level type sports broadcasters to some of the best in this business. And we're talking about that cover professional sports, collegiate sports, and everything in between. And even though you've shared some blogs about you, you haven't had the chance to tell your story. And uh, I think that's fair. I think it's time for you to share your story on why you got into sports casting, uh, some stories that you've had along the way, and uh, things like that. So, what do you think? I think let's do it. You know, somebody has to be the person to follow last week's podcast uh, <laughs> with Iron Eagle. It's going to be really hard to top it, so I might as well not make anybody that I actually you know want to have a good numbers do it. So I'll just take the bullet. Yeah, I think you could do it. So I, I mean, yeah, I think it's great that you, that you've done this. I, I listen to your uh, podcast obviously all the time. You and I talk about um, some of the different interviews that you've done and stuff like that. So. Let's uh, start about Logan Anderson uh, and your sportscasting career. You've been at it for a while. You've had some ups and downs along the way, just like everybody in this business. Uh, how did you get your start? Where was your interest in sports broadcasting? My very first game in college, I went into college wanting to be a writer. I wanted to be a newspaper columnist, and then I found out you had to do obituaries and and just talk to people whose kids had just died, and a whole bunch of unpleasant things before you built your way up to sports columnists, and I just didn't want to do that. I also really hate deadlines. I don't know if you figured that out uh, working with me for these years, and it just wasn't for me. So I initially switched to marketing and graphic design. I didn't really like that either, and about the same time, I saw the writing on the wall that I wasn't good enough. I was never going to make varsity as a Morningside College basketball player, but I still wanted to go on the road trips, so I signed up to broadcast 
with the student station as color analyst for the pro who does the road games. He was actually here in Vermilion at the Dakota Dome, and Morningside won on a buzzer beater by the all-time leading scorer, and and I was just hooked from that point on. It was awesome. I didn't go in there expecting anything. I just wanted to get into the game for free, and I ended up finding what I hope to be my profession. Could you imagine at that point when you first went to go do that game, could you ever imagine that we'd be sitting here today talking about not only your sports casting career, but your sports casting blog and podcast that you built? No. <laughs> that's that's a nice simple answer. No. <laughs> well, so you got your start uh, at Morningside and, and I was fortunate enough to meet you in college. We were in college at the same time, going to different colleges and and uh, I think Morningside probably beat Doan more times than not during that time and still probably do, but that's neither here nor there. We'll get caught up at one of these points. Uh, so you got your start at Morningside College and did this as a student. How about getting into it as a quote-unquote professional? What was your break? So I went, I was looking for a job as we were getting close to graduation, and it was probably about March. And, you know, I just, I didn't really know how to find jobs. I didn't, hadn't found STAA at that point. I don't, not even entirely sure it existed but I just didn't really know what to do, and I was applying for a few jobs that I was woefully underqualified to even like think about applying for. And then one day, my dad got an email from my high school classmate's mom, and it's funny because I had not talked to this high school classmate. We were not we were close friends when we were real young. And then kind of had a falling out, but we, we were we we're fine. Like if I saw him today, I'd say, hi, how's it going? I'd be ha- happy to see him. But I hadn't talked to him in a while. And all of a sudden, his mom sends my dad an email saying, I heard Logan graduated in advertising and sports broadcasting. My brother owns a radio station in Denison, Iowa. Would he be interested in a job? And at this point, I was like, uh, yes. I, I, I was not finding anything. So I basically... I remember I drove drove there with blowing snow from Sioux City to Denison, Iowa, and did an interview. I got hired, and the rest is history. And since then, pretty much, uh, I think every stop that you've made, you've been in, in both sales and uh, it brought sports broadcasting kind of uh, together. That's just been your job at all your different stops. How do those two work together for you? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, I got it. That got me into the business. I had no, I never once thought of doing sales at that point. I wanted to be on the air. I figured I'd be a DJ and then just figure the rest out as I went. And my my opportunity was in sales, so I took it. And we had a sales trainer at that time who would come once a month and he basically just taught me what to do and I learned how to do it and had pretty good success at it and then I mean when I moved I don't know if it's moving up a whole lot but at that point I was just the backup broadcaster to the main guy I got to do postseason basketball tournaments and I got to be like the third color commentator in the booth. I got to say like two lines between quarters is about it. But I was part of the broadcast. I'd help keep stats and just was around it to try to learn how to do it at a higher level. And 
Then I applied for another job in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and they wanted me to do sales and sports again, and that's what I did. And in Aberdeen, you got the opportunity to cover college sports, and I know that that is obviously the goal of a lot of people who get into this. You want to move up, and some people have different goals. They can spend their lifetime doing high school sports. Some want to be at a certain collegiate level, some professional level. Things like that, and and so this is like your second job, and you hadn't been at it really all that long, so I'm sure for you that felt uh, pretty good to get into the collegiate ranks. It, it really did, and it was another, it was just kind of a lucky break that uh, I was able to pick up that one. I just sent in a blind application with a horrible cover letter, but the reference that I used is named Scott France. He's the he used to be the Morningside guy that I did color commentary for, and we had stayed in touch a little bit. And I had not told him that I was applying for this job, but the owner of the Aberdeen station also owns the Sioux Center station where Scott worked, and he saw Scott's name and knew the type of person he was, and asked him about me, and he gave a glowing review, and that's pretty much what got me that position. So. Uh, that's uh, break number two, I guess. And the college that you covered was presentation, and presentation an interesting school because they had been Division three and eventually now are NAIA, but uh, being at that division that they were at, it meant that you got to spend a lot of time on a bus. <laughs> so they were Division three in a conference called the UMAC, which mostly is in Minnesota, around the Twin Cities, Duluth, Mankato, for anyone familiar with that geography and I think the closest school was three hours away the farthest one was in football was like eight they had different football and basketball conferences they were different teams it was kind of a weird deal but essentially the team the college had two coaches who didn't recruit enough people to have soccer teams and this happened twice and they kicked them out of the conference. They they said it didn't... The public comments said it didn't go that way, but that's what happened. They got booted from this conference, which meant that they needed to go to the NAIA, and that's where the new AD, who was making some changes and improving things at the time, had wanted to go anyway because it just geographically made more sense. There's no other D3 schools in South Dakota. They could be in a conference where... You know, everything's within an hour and a half to three hours instead of, you know, three to eight hours. It just was a good move, but that meant they had to be Division Three independent for one year. And the conference that they played in was unhappy with them, and only one of those teams would play them again. Or maybe they just didn't have open dates because it happened late. Who knows what the reason is. But they didn't play anybody there, which meant they had to go from to play teams in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, they played teams in Missouri, teams in uh, Manhattan, Kansas, just all over God's green earth to find games. We got to go to Las Vegas. That wasn't all bad. But, <laughs> no, we definitely, I think, out of the full schedule, there was like five home games that season. So, yeah, we had a lot of time on the bus, and it's a funny story. So they bought a bus for that year. They used to just get charter buses from a charter company. They bought their own bus that year. And the very first trip was when we went to Manhattan, Kansas from South Dakota, which is probably eight or nine hours away. And they had, like, it's a Catholic school. They had a preacher come bless it. 
uh, did this big deal. The darn thing broke down in Lincoln, started stalling out at every single stoplight. It was really cold out in January, and my seat was right by the emergency like escape window with the latches, but one of the latches was broke, so it was just flapping back and forth the whole time. It was freezing. It was just an awful, awful bus ride. <laughs> Jeez. So I'm sure you got plenty of uh, of uh, bus stories, but with those long trips, you're talking about uh, some really lengthy road trips with Presentation College. Did you find that at all to be your toughest year when it came to sales because you spent so much time on the bus? So it, it wasn't that bad. The first year was tough because you're trying to get to know people and and trying to find your rhythm, and that was a little bit difficult. But I try to build annual contracts that you don't necessarily have to see to sell something new every week. You can just see how they're doing, see what's coming up, see if they need new ad copy. And some of that stuff could be put off and done on a different day without having to really focus on small transactional sales. And I was able to have quite a bit of success doing that as opposed to having to. So if I didn't see him for one week, it wasn't the end of the world as long as I made an effort that next week when I had a little bit more time to be able to do that. So no, I didn't have a whole lot of issues with that, but um, it, certainly it has its challenges. Well, for anybody who's followed um, your podcast or your blog, they know that your time um, at Presentation College eventually came to an end or doing the games for Presentation College. And uh, I know that this has, uh, for a long time, been kind of a tough subject for you just because it was nothing that you did. It was literally just something out of your control with them, uh, the, the college deciding they wanted to go a different direction with the radio station that carried their games. Go through that process and... and uh, Kind of how that unfolded to you. So I was there for five year, five seasons covering all of their football and basketball. We also did some baseball, softball, volleyball. And we had um, built a really good relationship with two different ADs over the time and had had no issues with just renewing the rights contract. We really hadn't even like thought about it. It came time. We said, are we going to do it again? And they're just like, yep, we're good. We're happy with everything you're doing. And they had a new AD who we thought we had a similar relationship with. And this is, this is the only thing that I, I look back and kind of say I could have done this different because we had a general manager who was usually in charge of sending the communication out to that AD and and saying, okay, let's get our rights renewed and take, he usually took care of it probably a year before, uh, well early. So it was never really open for anyone else to bid for. And in my head, I thought we had another year and that GM had some health problems and left. And the new GM also didn't, didn't know when it was. So then one day I got an email saying, hey, we got a proposal from uh, Brand X, uh, can you get us a proposal as well? And uh, we'll figure out our radio rights situation for this year. And in hindsight, that's the one thing I think I could have done differently is maybe paid closer attention to when they were coming open and gotten in front of it and got everything sewn up before 
before anyone had a chance to make a proposal. Maybe that would have worked. Maybe it wouldn't. But once we got in there, uh, our competition went in. Uh, they kind of they sold him on the benefit of having ads on more stations than we had. Uh, we had two. They had six. And it was more of an advertising decision than anything else. There was even some discussion with him about trying to get me to do the games on the other station. And our two stations, just management didn't play nice. There was no chance of that happening. And they went the other way, and I was uh, out of a gig. So you you still had a job, though, because you were doing sales and that kind of thing, and, and they covered high school sports and, and things like that. But obviously, for anybody whose goal is to reach a certain level and that's taken away from you, for you, that, that hit pretty hard. Yeah, I was uh, really unhappy about it. I'm, I'm it's 100% true, and I did still have a job. And that radio station treated me really well. It's Dakota Broadcasting in Aberdeen, South Dakota. So we'll give him a shout-out. The owner, Neil Lipitsky, is a really good owner. And he's like, I know this isn't what you want. You still have a job here. And we're going to do what we can to try to try to keep you happy. And I'm like, I really appreciate that. Um, I had just gotten engaged at the time. And we were trying to, at that point, figure out, you know, who was going to move because we live three hours apart. And I'm like, Neil, it just doesn't make sense for me to stay here without that. Um, I'm going to move. I need to move closer to Sioux Falls where Sarah was working. And he goes, I understand completely. I'll help you out if you need it. And uh, so he was really good. But I could have done high school sports and sales there. But A... You know, the engagement thing happened. And B, you know, I really, really enjoy covering college sports more than high school. Not because the games are that much different, but you really get to know the team and you get to know the coaches and you spend time with them on the bus and going out to eat. And it's just a different level of of relationship building, I guess, as opposed to, you know what, I don't, I live... 30 minutes away from uh, Vermilion, where the team I cover is. And I love covering them. They're, they've been a ton of fun, especially this year where they have maybe the best player in the state on the team scoring 40 or 50 points a game. And But it's it, it's just different. It's more fun. It's fun. I thought it was fun to spend that time on the road and just kind of talking to the coaches and hearing all the pranks and all the all the kids having fun in the background and watching movies and I don't know. I would always get this weird feeling on the bus at like two o'clock in the morning when we're rolling through some small town. And I'm like, this is putting in dues. Like, I feel like every mile we go here on this bus while I'm being cool, everything's quiet and I'm listening to music on uh, Pandora on my headphones. And like, I feel like I'm just getting a little bit close closer to making it, whatever that means. I just did air quotation fingers. <laughs> Pretend like you can see that. But I, I I still miss doing college, and I do some college. I do the morning side college football, but it's uh, being a part. You almost feel like part of the team, and as a former athlete, I think that's what I missed the most from it, and why I why I felt like it was the right thing to make the move down here. Yeah, and uh, because of your decision to move uh, and and be closer to Sarah, who is now your wife. Um, 
<laughs> uh, because of that, and and uh, you know, kind of like relationships that you had, and you and I during this time had uh, gone out to North Carolina, and we're planning on doing some network building and stuff like that. And I'd kind of mentioned, you know, if you need something, we probably have something that we can help you out with. And you ended up uh, coming down here and joining our stations. But at the same time, you got the opportunity to get back into covering college football with Morningside College, your alma mater, which is a neat feeling to go back and and probably see them again. Yeah, it was, and it's where it all started. And obviously, the the coach is still the same coach from when I was in a student broadcaster. And obviously, they're very, very good at the NAIA level to the certain point where it almost gets boring at times because they average their average win was by like 40 points and it just uh the games weren't necessarily great but it was fun just to be there and calling football at a higher level and and just having fun with it I don't know yeah that's not a really good answer <laughs> no and they've obviously been to the playoffs and you've been on those road trips and and that's been neat to see them compete at a national level so that's kind of how your career I uh, got to this point. How about um, this? How about Say the Damn Score, the podcast, the blog? Um, why did it come about? What was what was in it uh, at the time when, in, in your mind when you decided you wanted to create this thing? It was on the airplane ride home from North Carolina, actually. I think it was one of the years we went together, and I was just uh, – I. I actually I remember sitting in a circle with a whole bunch of guys and listening to Mark Boyle, the voice of the Pacers, tell Larry Bird stories. And, like, he's my favorite player of all time, Larry Bird. I love him. I, I wore 33 in high school when I played for that reason. But I just thought in my head, man, I bet there's people all over the country who would love to be able to have this access and listen to these stories. And that was kind of the idea. And as I went home, I just kind of thought of how to build this up. And I reached out to my friend who builds websites and paid him to make it because I knew if I paid money to do it that I would stick with it as opposed to just doing it for a couple weeks and saying, ah, this is hard. I don't want to do it anymore. And uh, I, I also, I've always struggled with Living in Aberdeen, there was a lot of positives, but it is three hours away from anywhere else that matters, and it is hard to meet other broadcasters. So uh, that's why I went to North Carolina for the uh, seminars and conventions, but I mean, you want to have more than that, and I figured this is the way to have conversations with sportscasters all across the country and kind of get my name out there. It just seemed like there was a whole lot of positives, with the only negative being I'd have to spend a little bit of money, and it would take my time. And so that's pretty much where it came from. And so you've been, uh, you've had Say the Damn Score for a few years now. You've done a number of interviews. You've written blog posts. When you look at it, and you share all this, obviously, information with anybody who chooses to click and listen, right? Anything you've gathered from another sportscaster is out there for someone else. What's the biggest takeaway maybe that you have had from doing these interviews from people of all different levels? That there's no 
one way to do it and that a lot of people's way is completely irreplicable. Like there's just so much luck that comes into it. But at the same time, most of these people who absolutely get a lucky break, but most of these people are really hardworking people who were ready for the opportunity when it showed up and were able to seize the day and take advantage of it, not just let it go by. And that's kind of the lesson I've got is, you know, that that's the one thing we control is that we can control how hard we work and how, how much we're trying to get better and improve. And that is one thing that on that same airplane ride home, I said, you know what, I'm not going to get outworked anymore because I thought I was good at that time and just got skewered in the group critique session because I had been around people who just told me how good I was and never had anyone who really knew what they were talking about who could say, no, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. And I think I'm much better now at this point, but still have a long way to go. And I didn't really start taking I didn't start taking it serious that I wanted to improve and really wanted to do something and make a mark on this industry until I was 27 or 28. So, I mean, if you listen to those people who win the Jim Nance Award out of college, they're probably well ahead of where I am right now. So I knew that I needed to start improving faster than everyone else because I waited too long to do it. And that's why, I mean, I kind of built the website. I built the blueprint that I've followed for a couple of years, and and the rest is history, I guess. And, and that was going to be my next uh, point. You built this uh, blueprint to success for broadcasting, and um, I, I don't honestly know the backstory to it. I know that you've shared updates on following it and things like that. Um, so where did that come from and why? <laughs> that airplane ride home again. <laughs> you know, I just, I was thinking, you know, why am I not very good and how do I get better faster than somebody else? And I thought back to when I played basketball and I was pretty decent at it in high school. I had a college scholarship. I mean, I wasn't ever close to making D1 or anything. I never even was good enough to play at Morningside. But I knew that I got good at basketball by practicing when no one else was. I didn't get better by going to practice with the coach, and you do, but what really sets you apart is sitting in your driveway or sitting in the empty gym by yourself and getting up extra jump shots. And that's how I set my school record in three-point percentage. And One for one? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I, I think I've commented to you that sometimes... We used to not have a shot clock in uh, South Dakota basketball at certain levels. And I said, no team I was ever on ever had to worry about a shot clock (laughs) because uh, I would have shot it. (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you, my baseball career in college, I was one for one at the plate. And uh, after that, eventually retired. And (laughs) I'll, I'll take that to the grave. Yeah, but it really is. It's just, you know, you get better by putting in work when no one else is. And I tried to figure out how I could do that because broadcasting is obviously a unique challenge. You can't, I mean, you can't get a job without getting experience, but you really can't get experience without getting a job. And I had a job, but I wanted to get more reps. So I figured it out, you know, hey, we're going to do X amount of 
time watching YouTube clips and doing the play-by-play or watching TV and doing the play-by-play. I settled on seven minutes per day because that ends up being 35 minutes or no, 49 minutes per week, which is give or take some right between the length of a college and NBA game. And, um, I know I needed to vary my vocabulary, so I said, you know what, one day a week I'm going to take some sort of terminology and try to come up with five different ways to say it. And then the networking part was important, and so I said, I'm going to pick one day and I'm going to email three people. Like, it's not that hard to do, and it really didn't take that much time, but you are able to build relationships that way and get to know people and just make things happen, I guess, a little bit. You mentioned networking, and, and anywhere that we have ever been and heard people talk, they talk about networking and how important it is. And I've always heard people talk about networking, but you honestly are probably the person I've seen, um, I, I guess, live that out more than anyone else. Like I've witnessed that you've tried to go to North Carolina and do the other things just to be around people. Even if there was nothing really in it for you, you hope to learn something along the way. But for the most part, it was networking. That obviously has been a very, very important thing for you to try to um, continue to build here over the last, what would you say, three or four years? Maybe more? Something, probably four to five. Sure. I mean, it's everything. That's how people in this business get jobs because of recommendations. They get uh, freelance gigs because of their recommendations. When I came down here and was able to get extra freelance work, because I knew people in Sioux City, and we're close enough to Sioux City that I can drive down there on weekends and do Morningside College football and Sioux City Bandits football. And, and you know, it's not obviously getting me rich, but it's extra money on a consistent basis at certain times of the year. I got to do my first Division One basketball game up in North Dakota because I made friends with Adam Hildebrandt when he was calling NAIA games in Missouri when he went to North Carolina. And then he moved up. He needed a fill-in in in my area, and he called both of us. We each did one, but I would have never got that opportunity had I not tried to go out of my way to stay in touch with him. So, I mean, it's just uh, the proof. I mean, there's proof that it works, and in my case, it's worked uh, with some small successes. But you know what? Every small success in my eyes is something that moves you closer to a larger one. You know, you obviously you talk about that fill-in gig uh, in your first Division One men's basketball game, and you have similar goals to me and and a lot of people, and that that's the level that we want to get to, right? That's what we keep putting in all these long drives and tireless hours and stuff for. Is you want to get to that level and be the best that you can. And I know for me, when I did my first Division One men's game, it was USD at Kansas State, and it was a pretty cool venue to be in uh, to do your first Division One game. Um, for you, it was at North Dakota State, and you got that opportunity. And I know that, obviously, as anyone would be, you were pretty excited for that opportunity. So when that actually happened and you were there, what was that moment like for you? It was kind of hectic, honestly. I think I wrote about this, but just about everything that could have went wrong went wrong. I left really early that morning to get uh, to be able to – get everything done I needed to be done. I still needed to print out charts. My printer was out of ink, and I knew that ahead of time, so I was going to stop at the UPS store in Fargo, and I did, but it took forever, and the person there had no idea what the heck she was doing. Like, she couldn't get could 
there was no Wi-Fi connection. I just assumed that every UPS store had Wi-Fi and that I could just send them my charts and they'd print them. And then she couldn't figure out the printer or the computer that was hooked up to the like printer because it was frozen. She got up to make a call. And while she was there, I just went on, hit control, delete, close the programs that were open. <laughs> and then it was working. So she came back and she printed them. And at that time, I still had plenty of time. But in my head, I felt rushed. And I really wasn't. But I like sprinted out, drove across town because I needed to get the equipment from the team at their, their hotel because I wanted to be there before they were which ended up not happening. We'll get to that later. <laughs> that we could have just let them bring it, and it all would have been for the better. But I left my computer bag with my prep notes at the UPS store when I was in a hurry. So I had to drive back across town to the UPS store and then back to the gym. And by the time I was there, I was setting up equipment that I wasn't real familiar with and probably got there an hour before airtime, which, I mean, was still plenty to troubleshoot a little bit, but we still had some glitches. We couldn't, I didn't get any natural sound because there was something wrong with the way it was being fed into the mixer where it was just overpowering everything. So I just had to dump it because we were out of time. And uh, honestly, I just, it was frustrated, frustrating going into it. Cause in that situation you want to have, you just want to kill it. You want to be relaxed. You want to give your very best effort. And I don't think that that's what I was able to get. And a lot of that's my fault for not, it's my fault that I left my bag there and wasn't there in time. It just comes as simple as that. Right. And and that's just part of the business. Like things go wrong and, and you find a way to work through it. And you did, and you got into the game, but was there a point where maybe during a commercial break or whatever, you just kind of took a breath, sat back and looked around and, and felt like, not that necessarily you've made it because you still got plenty more that you want to do, but just to have that opportunity, look around and say, you know what, this has all been worth it for this, this moment. I think it was more afterwards because everything was kind of frantic and the game starts and I'm very, very borderline ADD. Like I have a hard time focusing on uh, just one task at a time, but for whatever reason, when I'm broadcasting a game, I can really zone in on exactly what I'm doing and nothing else. And when I'm doing that, I, I really don't think about anything else. I'm just trying to think about the game and trying to get the description in and uh, trying to make sure all the sponsor reads are done in the right way. And I think it was when I was done and I was able to take a deep breath and I'm like, Finally got one because I had almost had the chance to do a filling game the year before. Um, Learfield had actually called me and said, we need someone to do this. It was Montana versus USD in Vermilion, and the normal guy who does Montana was supposed to be gone with the football team. Well, the football team was upset in their last game and didn't make the playoffs. So about I think it was like three days before I was supposed to do it. I had already started prepping. They were like, yeah, we don't need you anymore. Sorry. <laughs> and, and that was really disappointing in yeah. a lot of ways. But it's uh, the tr I didn't say anything publicly to anyone about this until I was there. 
<laughs> this time. Because <laughs> it felt like the rug was pulled under you, but you knew that eventually if you continued to network and, and uh, just continue to work at it, that another opportunity would come because those come every year at some point. Like there's, there's always some conflicts in broadcasting with football and basketball. And uh, if you're in the right spot at the right time, you get that opportunity. Very much so, and that's a big part of why I came here is because it was uh, at the flagship ships, flagship station of a D- Division One university, and that's eventually what I wanted to do. And even though that didn't actually help me, being here put me in the area and in a place where I was able to make that happen. Yeah, so you've uh, obviously been at it for a while and, and uh, had that opportunity, which is pretty cool. Um, you mentioned in covering Vermilion High School, one of the better players in the state, and you've seen this kid set scoring marks um, this year, which has been, I'm sure, just pretty cool to to follow. And you mentioned how much you enjoy college sports. But for anybody, whether it's professional college or high school sports, you see some of these milestones, and uh, it's a pretty neat feeling. You know, it's just that's part of what we do is that – we get the opportunity, and we don't get it all the time, but you get the opportunity to witness greatness at one level or another. And, you know, I've had the fortune to cover a couple future NFL players when they were playing small school football in Iowa. And right now, I don't know if A.J. Plitzewite is a future NBA player. Probably not. He's going to a Division II college I'm going to guess if he wanted to, he could go a step higher. But he decided this, and power to him. But he has been, I mean, he's been averaging like 35 points a game, had one where he scored 41 points in the second half of a high school game. Just think of that as 41 points in 16 minutes. Like, it's absurd. (laughs) And he was being double and triple teamed the whole time, and you know, just being able to witness that and tell the story, and it challenges yourself to find new ways to describe it. Because I, I feel like in post game interviews, I'm like, at this point, it's just like, "Hey, coach, AJ scored forty again, and you guys won. Well, how did the game feel?" And it's like, this shouldn't feel normal, but it starts to, and it's it's really kind of neat. Yeah, for sure, and and you'll see uh, obviously more milestones throughout uh, your career as it continues. If you spoke to a group of uh, individuals who were interested in sports broadcasting, um, from what you've learned to this point, what's some advice that you'd pass along to them? Run away now while you still can. (laughs) You're smiling way too much while I was asking that question. (laughs) No, obviously it's a – I would say make sure you love it because if you don't, it's not worth all the sacrifices that you have to make. But if you if you do, if you love the grind, if you love the preparation process, if you love, uh, if you just wanna, if you just wanna be famous and make money and uh, get all the girls, you know, this is probably not the uh, position for you. But although there's some people laughing saying, "Speak for yourself." <laughs> But it is. It's hard. It's frustrating. It's not always merit-based. I think that's the hardest part because it is who you know, not what you know. We know a lot of other really gifted sportscasters who are at a lower level than they probably should be with their talent. And it's just about 
knowing the right people and being in the right place and being the right fit at the right time. And that's really frustrating a lot of times. I mean, some people have to wait decades for their break. And then sometimes you're Joe Davis and everything happens. And by the time you're in your mid twenties, you're calling games for the Dodgers. I mean, you just never know what your path is going to be, but more than likely it's going to be long. Yep. And you have to be ready for that. And there's a number of stories out there for guys getting their first division one football men's basketball gig uh, in their later thirties or in their forties. Like those stories are all over the place. You know, it's, it is, and that's what uh, that's what we got to hope for, right? We're both yeah. in our 30s, and you know we're still young in the business. I guess I would guess consider us both young veterans. Like we've both been around a while. We've paid some dues, but it's not like we've been around for 40 years like a lot of people have. And you know we still have time to climb the ladder and make jumps, but it's it's never guaranteed. And you just have to go in there with the faith that giving it your best shot is enough whether you make it or not I shouldn't say whether you make it cuz making it like if you're in the business you're making it but if you're whether you're reaching your personal goals or not if you know you gave it your best shot that's all you can really control yeah for sure and and the rest plays itself out on a number of your um podcasts and interviews that you've done Logan you've asked people for advice on how do they balance family life with uh, some of these rigorous travel schedules and and the hours that you have to put in in preparation. And as somebody who's been married less than a year, how has that changed for you as far as trying to make sure you have a balance for happy wife, happy life, uh, and to be able to uh, you know prepare and execute broadcasts at the level that you want to? It's something that I'm still working on, to be honest. I mean, I've always been very focused and I like to do preparation late into the night and that's just not always an option anymore and so I try to be more efficient when I do it and I I think the biggest thing is trying to be home when I'm home and not to be worried about something else and that's really hard for me because ADD mind that I mentioned, I'm always trying to think about something. I'm like, oh, I can do this, or I could do this, or I could do this. And sometimes it's just, no, I just kind of sit down and watch a movie with my wife and go out to dinner and just not think about anything. And I'm not very good at doing that. And it's something I think I need to do better. But I think we have pretty good communication. I think that when I'm out of line, she'll tell me and I'll I try to get better. I mean, it's uh that's all you can do is your best and that's I don't know what that is, but I think uh, everything has gone mostly well so far. So, so far so good. I can assure you the ladies will always tell you when you're out of line. <laughs> but that happens uh, to you? Yeah, uh, occasionally, once in a while, not often, right? Um so you keep uh, keep grinding at it, and, and part of getting better, I think, for many of us is not only listening to ourselves, but we listen to other people as well, whether it be at the high school level, professional level, um, collegiate level, whatever it may be. Who are some of the people that you try to carve some time out to to listen to and not necessarily to copy, but to just get a feel for what they're doing? I like to. I had a goal this fall 
to listen to one quarter from every Big Ten broadcaster of football. I did not reach that because doing football on Saturdays for a small college made it difficult. I got most of them. And what I really focused on is not stealing catchphrases or anything like that, but just trying to find different descriptions and different things that they put into their broadcasts that that were applicable applicable to what I was doing. And if you read the glossary of uh, terms that I put on com, that's where a lot of them came from, is listening to those broadcasters. And it's interesting because it's such a subjective thing. Sometimes I would listen to someone like Matt LaPay from Wisconsin and just be in awe of how he is able to do what he does. And I love Greg Sharp. Uh, some of them I didn't like as much, honestly. And we're not going to throw anyone under the bus. But uh, I'm like, this is just not the style that I enjoy listening to. And he has a Big Ten job. So it just really points out the subjectiveness of everything. And I really recommend to just about anyone to have the TuneIn app and to invest in the premium because then you can listen to anyone uh, in the pro sports across the country from any market, any time. And I try to listen to as many of the pro guys that I can as well. And they, it's the same thing. You like some better than others, but almost all of them, you can pick up something that you can use. And, and you get the chance to listen to, um, well, I get the chance to listen to University of South Dakota women's basketball. <laughs> that's where the real that's where the real magic happens. That's right. That's right. Uh, but you get the chance to listen to people at different levels, and so you can take something from all of those. Do you find like when you listen, do you try to compare yourself? I mean, that's always a hard thing not to do is to compare yourself. But you find out maybe uh, some that are at a higher level. Maybe you feel you're uh, close to talent wise. Some at a lower level where you probably feel like you're there or better than and things like that. It's a hard thing not to compare. It's human nature to compare. And that's one thing that I try really hard to do is to have a realistic evaluation of my own talent. And that's where I struggled badly in drastically overestimating my talent when I was young. I'm like, everyone tells me I'm good. This lady at the grocery store says she can see what's happening in her head when she's listening to you. I've gone back and listened to that tape. She couldn't. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee it. Well, um, she could while she was sleeping, right? Yeah, that maybe. <laughs> she must have a very vivid imagination. But it was, it was, I really bought into it and... It took finding out that you're not to do that and just bringing that back around. I still listen to other people, and I think all of us, I'm not going to be honest, all of us listen to certain people in higher jobs and say, I am, I could do what he's doing better than he's doing right now. Like it's Maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but in my head, I definitely think it. And But then I have to think, you know what, maybe they – Maybe I don't like the way they sound, but maybe they have put in a spectacular effort in networking and getting to know the right people. Maybe they just got lucky. Who knows? But it's I really try to be happy for other people instead of envious. Even though I may want it, I, I try to wish them well regardless. And it's I'm not always the best at that. But Well, I think it's a hard thing for anybody to do, but... Uh... 
you know what, you just keep pressing on. So, uh, obviously, you're building your sportscasting career and have been for a number of years. Um, when you look big picture, ultimately, what is the goal for Logan Anderson besides to have, say, the damn score making millions of dollars? Well, you know, if we could do that, that would uh, give me a lot of freedom to do whatever I want. <laughs> I could just, you know, I'm going to do the webcast of uh, the Super Bowl uh, from from the blimp with binoculars or something. But right. no, I would love to be a Division One broadcaster. I don't think I'd need to be in a Power 5 position or a pro team to be happy. Now, maybe if I get to that position, then I'd be less satisfied and want to still try to the competitive juices in me would still want to try to climb to a higher level. But I think my, the goal I'm working for is to eventually be a division one broadcaster. And, uh, I don't think I'm particularly close to it. So, but it's uh, something that I want. That's definitely for sure. But you're closer today than you were a year ago. Yes. And anytime you can say that, then you feel good that you're progressing. Yeah. I, I accomplished that goal for one day. Uh, then they it, fired me and let their old guy back and boy was it a good day right um all right so we, we've talked a lot about your career and i know we've kind of talked a little bit about time on the bus with presentation college i know one of your favorite questions to ask people is for their broadcast horror stories what do you have for us oh, we could do this all day <laughs> we've got all day um, <laughs> it's a podcast. There's no time limit. <laughs> <laughs> you're stealing my line. Yeah, you're welcome. I've been listening. I told you. Let me think. So, uh, which one do I want to do? Is the question. Do them both. There's more than two. <laughs> Let's start off with. Uh, so there was a game in Iowa where they had an affiliated school. And one of the towns had just built this beautiful new gymnasium. Like, it was just brand new, state-of-the-art. It was awesome. But their co-op deal meant a couple times a year they had to have these uh, games at another school, at the the co-op school. And it was not new. It was tiny. They had nowhere to broadcast. And I tried... So there's um, if you picture a gym, some of them have those little like ledges over the top of the doors. That's like probably three feet by three feet. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. They had a school desk up on one of those in the corner of a gym, and they're like, "You get to broadcast from up there." And I'm like, "How do you get up there?" Like, it was probably three feet away from the bleachers, so I had to climb up. This is not joking. I had to climb up the side of the bleachers and not fall down and, like, break myself and get my stuff up there and then successfully get down. It was uh, it was my closest uh, to Spider-Man that I can ever think of. <laughs> the other one I like to go to is that um, the I always take backup to to game some sort of backup way to do the broadcast if everything breaks down the one time i didn't for a presentation was when i was going to an nfl stadium at the metrodome and that's where the minnesota vikings play they were having a dome day for the conference there where you get this enormous dome and about 12 people in it uh to cheer on each team it was a not really a great event but 
it was cool for the kids to play on the Vikings logo, and I'm sure they enjoyed it. And I'm like, I get to be in Paul Allen's booth. I was in Paul Allen's booth, but the phone line didn't work. And our station at that time, we'll just say it, they were cheap, and they had not yet invested in a 1-800 number. I had suggested it several times. They're like, no, you don't really need it. You can just find out the number, and then we call it, and we're fine. And I'm like, okay, that eventually we're going to run into problems. I didn't think that was where it was going to happen, but we got there. I plugged in and tried to f- ask them what the number was. They're like, I don't, I don't know. Try this one. And I had them try it, and there was a switchboard. So everything that went to the Metrodome went to a switchboard, and no one knew where that switchboard was or how to control it, which meant that we couldn't call back through. They just would get to the switchboard, go to the voicemail. So I didn't bring any backup. We were planning on going phone line. That's obviously usually a pretty reliable way of doing it. And I had talked one of my friends into riding the bus with us to do color commentary for that game. And we had to end up doing it holding an upside-down cell phone. (laughs) He still gives me crap about that. He's like, I can't believe you made me ride the bus from Aberdeen to Minneapolis to not even barely be able to talk. And when it did, he was just on a cell phone over and over again. And uh, what'd you learn from that? (laughs) Always bring back up, (laughs) even if it's an NFL stadium. Oh, yeah, no. And then Aberdeen is unique in the fact that it is super, super windy there. So I got to learn some new rules. Like one time a extra point in a football game went through the uprights, caught the wind, and legitimately got blown back out. And I had never seen that happen before. I had no idea what the rule was. Do you? I'm just testing you here. Do you you know? I've not seen that. It's just, it turned out it was just like crossing the plane where sure. once once you break the plane of the of the crossbar, it's good. But it, it was weird. In that one, there was a 90-yard punt where it went probably about 30 yards in the air and the wind just slowly rolled it. And the, uh, the, the team trying to down it had been able to like a circle around it and just move in a circle. <laughs> Like probably a yard or two, a second. It was just slowly rolling because this wind kept moving it. And eventually it got down to like the seven. And one of the guys from presentation just ran in and like slid on it. So it wouldn't get all the way down to the one. And then they all piled on him and whatever. It's kind of risky. But it was weather is uh, something that I learned how to appreciate when I was up there. I've seen the punt blow over someone's head in negative yardage, but a field goal, that one's different. Or <laughs> extra point, whatever. Yeah, it was it was absurd. This guy was a pretty good kicker, had a big leg, kicked it up. It was probably 10 yards deep, and you could see it just like stop and just reverse direction <laughs> before, it, before gravity could take hold. So I, I imagine I'll never see that again. I'd never say never, but uh, I guess I learned something from it. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't see it in the games you're currently doing because, uh, well, you could see it at Morningside, but at the high school that you cover, they play in a dome, so you shouldn't have that issue. Yes, yes, that is 100% correct. (laughs) It is nice that they play in a dome. You know, I don't like it early in the season, but by the time it gets to late November, I'm like, thank God we're in a dome Yeah, because it would be awful to be outside right now.
Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you stay a lot warmer uh, inside. Uh, I feel like this is a dumb question. This is your podcast. This is your uh, blog site, all that stuff. But, Logan, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do so? <laughs> I feel they like that's the obligatory question, right? They can't. <laughs> there is a big button on com that says contact. And you can contact me there or radio underscore Logan on Twitter or Facebook.com slash say the damn score or say the damn score at gmail.com. Any of those will get it. Or you can, you know, you can come to Yankton, South Dakota at Classic Hits 106.3. And uh, usually at some time during the day, I'm here. Do you want to give your beers for an address, or are you? Good? Yeah, I think I'm all right. <laughs> well, Logan, it's been fun. You, they can I, come I, to Burt's Bar in Beersford. Eventually, I'll end up there. That's probably true. That or they know where you're at. One <laughs> of the two. Uh, it's been fun. I uh, enjoyed uh, learning more about your story, and I know that you take the time to share the story of uh, a number of people from all over the uh, country, all over everywhere in sports broadcasting, actually, uh, from all different levels. So I'm glad we got the chance to do that, and uh, I hope you uh, enjoyed a little role reversal today. You know what's weird? Being an interviewer, It's sometimes it's hard to be an interviewee because I'm just so not used to it. I'm, I'm used to asking the questions, not answering them, and sometimes I feel like I answer them in stupid ways, but whatever. It works. Now, here's the, the last uh, – I mean, this, this is probably the most important question. You've had a lot of high-level people do this, uh, but the podcast has never had the Logan Anderson share his story. Uh, can this be topped? Yes. <laughs> in one word, Yes. <laughs> I think it will probably be, I don't know who next week is going to be, but, or not next week, two weeks from now, because I do do it bi-weekly, I should know my own uh, schedule, but <laughs> I don't know who it's going to be, uh, this, I mean, that's a big part of the reason why I'm on here, is because it's the busiest time of year for basketball sportscasters, and I couldn't find anyone else to do it uh, on short notice, so uh, this worked out well. And you're always open to taking suggestions from people, if they have uh, maybe uh, contact with somebody who's... Uh, sto- who's got a good story or who maybe would have an interesting story, uh, I'm sure you'd take those suggestions. I absolutely would. Yeah. All right. Well, Logan, it's been fun. All right. Thanks for Thanks. letting me be a part of Say the Damn Score. Hey, you know what? I never let you be a part of the L.A. sports riot. That's so. right. And you know what? <laughs> hey, next time you're on a broadcast, just say the damn score a little bit more. You got it. <laughs> <laughs>